Socks on 35th is next. Doors open on the left. How's it going, everybody? We have a bit of an emergency episode here on the Socks on 35th podcast. Probably not going to be a full episode, but obviously just... The ultimate situation has finally happened, a, a day that I feel like a lot of us have never seen. I'm joined with Nick Gower, of course, as always. Jordan Lazowski still at Disney World at the worst possible time um, ever. I <laughs> um, hope you're enjoying your vacation, though, Jordan. Um, obviously, you need to go on vacation more because the White Sox like to do things more. Okay, but I'm not going to just sit here and kick glass. The White Sox have fired Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn, Nick. Just, I'm going to read the official statement. I'm going to let you kind of jump into how you feel about it. I'm really juiced up, but I'm going to let you go first. But I just want to get this out to anybody who hasn't seen it already. The White Sox announced on Twitter, Instagram, across all social medias, and they released the following statement. Chicago White Sox announced that Ken Williams, Executive Vice President, and Rick Hahn, Senior Vice President, General Manager, have been relieved of their responsibilities effective immediately. Quote, this is an incredibly difficult decision for me to make because they are both talented individuals, long-term relationships with the White Sox, said Jerry Reinsdorf, White Sox chairman. Ken is like a son to me, grown, and I will always consider him a member of the family. Disgusting. I want to personally thank Ken and Rick for all they've done for the Chicago White Sox. Yawn. Winning the 2005 World Series and reaching the postseason multiple times during their tenures. What are you talking about? I have nothing but the greatest respect for them as people and appreciate the commitment and passion of the White Sox they exhibited over the years. Unbelievable. Ultimately, the well-worn cliche that professional sports is results-oriented is correct, Reinsdorf said. Oh my goodness, it's almost like a light bulb finally went off in his head 10 to 15 to 20 years too late. While we have enjoyed successes as an organization and we are optimistic heading into the competitive window of the rebuild, this year has proven to be a very disappointing for all of us on many levels. This has led me to the conclusion that the best decision for the organization moving forward is to make a change in our baseball department leadership. Oh my goodness. And the final line of this, and I apologize if I ad-libbed a little bit there, but I just genuinely can't take Jerry Reinsdorf at face value. I apologize. The last line of this statement, the White Sox will begin a search for a single decision maker to lead the baseball operations department and anticipate having an individual in place by the end of the season. Nick, never thought this day was going to come. Oh my goodness, this is insane. We literally just recorded an episode talking about the potential of this team moving, and then Jerry just decides to drop the bombshell. It is officially... Red Tuesday, I guess, would be the best way to put it. Nick, what are your thoughts? I've talked about this. I've already talked for a million years. What are your thoughts on this just right off the cuff? Yeah, I mean, this new, I mean, as we're recording this for those who are where this just drops like half an hour ago. So this is very, you know, I'm still formulating my thoughts, but I, I'd been beginning to think that Raycon might be, you know, fired or quote unquote reassigned or something at some point this after this season. And I never thought that Kenny Williams would be part of that. Like, sure, there are whispers that Kenny was thinking about retiring at the end of his contract, but I never thought that he would be, like, legitimately fired. That's just never, like Duke said, that's never a day I thought would come. So both of them in the same, you know, PR announcement or whatever is just, is just crazy. And hiring the one decision maker to replace them is is huge, obviously. And the fact that it's by the end of the season is interesting because I kind of imagined it would be a bit longer. So that's you know, a month from now, basically, is what we're talking about. So that will be something that is interesting to watch. I'm sure, Duke, I'm sure you have some thoughts on that. But overall, I mean, it's just, 
it had gotten to the point of parody almost. Like I haven't really talked about this that much on our podcast episodes because it never really made that much sense to bring it up. But like just watching all the press conferences this year that Rick Hahn would give before a, a homestand, for example, just watching him talk and watching his, you know, usual lawyer speak and empty platitudes and whatnot. Like it was, I don't, I wouldn't say it was ever charming, but it was at least like something you could live with back earlier in the rebuild when there was promise and he was, you know, kind of talking a big game about signing big, you know, nine figure free agents and whatnot. Back then you can kind of live with it, but now that he's still doing it and he still kind of has this like cockiness about him, given how bad the team has been in the last few years, it was just, it was beyond parody. And it's like, how could I even take you seriously as the GM of a team right now? Like, how does the rebuild crashing and burning not invalidate everything you say and have ever said? Like it was at the point where I couldn't even watch any clip of his because it just made me angry, but now we've gone. And I did not think it would come this soon. The fact that it's coming during the season is interesting. Uh, like you alluded to Duke, we just discussed on our recent episode that there was that article that came out the other day about Jerry Ryan sort of talking about moving the team potentially either elsewhere in the city to the suburbs or even out of the state such as such as to Nashville. And I think that all this coming together means that something is in the works. Either Jerry is actually planning to sell the team in the near future. Um, although if that were the case, you know, why is he installing a new head of baseball ops right now? So there, there are a lot of interesting ways to look at this and it's so early and so raw that I'm sure more stuff is going to come out in the next few days that will make it all make more sense. But something big is happening, I think, beyond just these firings and beyond the new hire. I'm just trying to figure out what it is, whether it's Jerry selling, maybe there's, you know, somebody that is already silently close to an agreement or something. Or if it's as simple as Jerry just had a change of heart and we're going to get a new front office and just keep running it back. But I really don't think that's that's what's going to happen. What do you think, Duke? Yeah, you know, it's it's really difficult. And I we talked about it on this on the last episode yesterday, which is just crazy that we're going to ju- kind of jump into this a little bit more. But um, it, it's so hard to read what Jerry Reinsdorf is going to be doing moving forward. Um, obviously, this is a step in the right direction for a lot of us. Um, you know, Rick Hahn, you know, you you were talking about how kind of just having him talk like during like every week during his uh, media obligations kind of made you angry. Honestly, I just always saw such a defeated man there at the end. And that 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 ripples through an entire organization. Like if that's the guy at the top or, you know, the top of the baseball side of things and he looks as defeated as he is, that's going to rub off on everybody. And it did. You know, it was very obvious that Rick Hahn was on borrowed time. I don't think the Rick Hahn situation should surprise anybody. I think Kenny Williams getting let go is the big one here. That kind of shows that, you know, White Sox Dave, when he was on here uh, a couple episodes ago, he was talking about the stink in this organization and how how hard it was going to be to kind of clean that out without really starting at the top down. You know, you, you could hire any manager you want. You could bring in any player you want. It's not going to matter with the people that are in charge. And, you know, obviously Jerry's the, the, the biggest hurdle, but he's the hurdle that he has to sell to be able to get rid of him. And obviously with the conversation of him potentially selling, we maybe are going down that road. But this is a huge first step in dis- in finding a way to clean the stink out of this organization. Because, you know, e- even when we were getting excited, you know, because I know I found myself self excited jumping into the a little bit of the later parts of the rebuild where it felt like it was all starting to come together. And it was kind of cool seeing Rick Hahn talk about this team. But then it would just kind of be a, a disgusting reminder when you would see Kenny Williams come out and talk about this team because it's like, 
he's still there. He still has a lot of power. He still has Jerry Reinsdorf's ear. So no matter how much Rick Hahn really wants to do with this team, Kenny's still there. You know what I mean? And it hit a point where even when we got a new manager this past season, a lot of us felt the same way. Even with a new manager in there, he still answers to Rick Hahn. And Rick Hahn still answers to Kenny Williams. Kenny Williams still answers to Jerry Reinsdorf. It, it, it was just a constant, constant kind of, you know, from the top down. And now we have a, a change in that. And, you know, I think the big thing here, Nick, is the the last part of the statement where it says the White Sox will begin a search for a single decision maker because I don't think that's something we've really had ever since Jerry Reinsdorf is on the team. It's always kind of felt like this like committee of play, you know, committee of guys at the top kind of all collaborating. And, you know, obviously you're going to have collaboration in any front office and, you know, with ownership, especially with somebody who's unfortunately as hands-on as a guy like Jerry Reinsdorf is, um, it's very refreshing to see that final line. And, you know, maybe this is a sign that the White Sox are selling. You know, it, it's very hard to sell a team at a high price when your organization is bad from the top down. You know what I mean? Like, it's very difficult to, you know, get intrigue behind it behind a baseball team. And this kind of shows, you know, maybe this is somebody where it's like, you know, I want to, I do want to buy your baseball team, but I need you to set stuff in place before I'm willing to do so, because I'm not just buying this as a, you know, potential cash grab or to be that person that says I own a, a professional team. I want to buy this as an asset and be ready to try to win baseball games sooner rather than later. At least that, at least that's the best case scenario. You know, we don't know what's going through Jerry Reinsdorf's mind. This could be Jerry Reinsdorf woke up today, realized that he didn't want to sell, and he's like, okay, well, you know, we got to start this over. I, It's crazy as it might sound. Um, but overall, it's it, it, it's just shocking. I, I'm just I'm, – I'm, I'm still trying to, like, have it fully hit me, Nick. I, I don't think it really has yet. I don't think it will until I realize that I'm not going to have to hear from Rick Hahn on a weekly basis and that I'm not going to see Kenny Williams driving around on a golf cart like an idiot during spring training and talking about how we're at the table. Um, You know, I think it's going to take a little bit of time, but it's very refreshing. You know, I think with any sports team that anybody follows, when you have this stink, you have this situation where your organization's going in the wrong direction and has been for a while when it comes to the leadership, whether or not it, whether it sucks or not admitting that this didn't work, getting that fresh start is always nice. Getting a fresh start. Like there's few things in life better than a fresh start, especially with how disastrous the past three, four years has been for this team. If longer, even before the rebuild. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, I, I was basically old enough to start following baseball, you know, like a diehard fan, probably around, 07, 08. Like I, I remember 05, but I was, I was like six. So I don't, you know, I, I wasn't like as into it obviously as I am now. So what I'm trying to say is that Kenny Williams has been like the guy my entire life as a baseball fan. Like I don't know a White Sox organization without Kenny Williams. And like you're saying, it's just shocking because I, I saw Han coming maybe a little bit. I didn't think it would happen now, but I didn't see Kenny Williams coming. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how a new front office, doesn't even matter who it is, how a new front office will approach the next few off seasons and just the next few major, you know, periods of movement, because there kind of came a point late in the rebuild where whether you want to blame Williams, Hahn, or even Tony La Russa, it was basically the same thing where every off season, the White Sox would sign or trade for relievers 
uh, maybe a couple of utility players, and like that was it. Like other than Andrew Benintendi, there hasn't been an actual position player, or I guess Clevenger position player or starting pitcher added to the team in quite some time, other than like a Vince Velasquez type stopgap. So it's just I don't know if that was a philosophical thing or who who is to blame to that, but chances are whoever is to blame to, for that is now gone, which is nice. But you know, I would love to see an actual power hitter added to the lineup for the first time in like four years. We'll see if that happens, but it's just, it's, it's so shocking. And I think that kind of what you were getting at before with, you know, an owner like Jerry Reinsdorf or, you know, like a Moreno in LA might meddle for lack of a better term a bit more than other owners. So that's kind of where the hire will be interested in me because would a big name, and I'm not going to name any, but would a big name that we all know come to be the new president of baseball ops if he knew that he'd have to deal with Jerry Reinsdorf meddling and influencing decisions? Probably not. Like if they end up just promoting somebody from within, that tells me that Jerry Reinsdorf wants to be hands-on still. He's not selling. He's going to be around. And that's that. But if they hire you know, a name we've heard of, or even someone we haven't heard of, but an outsider who has either done it before or has been pretty high up in another organization, that tells me that he's not planning on being his usual self. Maybe he's stepping back. Maybe he's selling. But again, the problem, and I apologize that this is, our, this is so raw, we're just learning about this. The problem with that is then, why do you hire a head of baseball ops and then sell the team within say a year after? Because what if the new owner comes in and like hates that person? But again, I don't, I don't really know. These aren't really well formulated thoughts. It's just our raw reaction here, which I think is, is good. There's value in that. So anyway, it, it's, it's just wild. And I'm curious. I mean, do I guess we can get the ball rolling on that now? Are there any names that you're interested in or that you are thinking might be involved in this race? Well, you know, and this is this is where preparation is key. And I genuinely, you know, I I had done some research a couple weeks ago, but if I try to remember names off the top of my head, I'm just gonna sound like a complete idiot. And I'm really emotional with it. But um there there are people in the Tampa organization, obviously. I feel like that's that's an immediate one you're gonna have to go to. I've already seen people on Twitter going going nuts about the idea of uh you know, getting our good friend from the from the south or from the north side who uh, helped them win a World Series. Uh, I'm not going to say his name because I personally can't stand the guy, but you guys all know who I'm talking about. Um, I, I think uh, once we get Laz on here, once he returns from his uh, Wally World vacation, uh, we'll be able to we'll be able to kind of dig a little bit deeper in that because I know he's going to have a lot of opinions on that as well. Um, really, you know, I I just don't think there's really a, a you can you can only go up from here. You know, I, I, you know, short of Jerry Reinsdorf hiring, you know, John Paxson, you know what I mean? Or <laughs> like, I, I don't think there's any really negative way you can go um, with that, though. I think there are three important things. Um, obviously, our friend of the show, Bob Nightingale, um, he's someone who's always been really close to the White Sox, you know, close to Jerry Reinsdorf. Um, he's, you know, been kind of accused of being the voice of the White Sox through the media. Um, and he had three interesting tidbits um, after reporting this originally. Um, Chicago White Sox chairman Jerry Reinsdorf has been conducting personal interviews for the past few weeks trying to get to the bottom of the struggles before making this decision today. Now, this is interesting because normally in the past, Jerry would probably take a side of one one or the other of Rick Hahn or Kenny Williams. But the fact that he went through the process and decided that, that both these guys need to be gone it makes you wonder how the rest of the organization felt about those two, which, you know, who knows how safe those people are, you know, and speaking of the rest of the organization, another, another little tidbit from Bob here is if the white Sox stay internal for a GM, 
Chris Getz is a leading candidate. Obviously, you know, that's that's an immediate groan from everybody. Um, and genuinely, I don't want to see Chris Getz get that job just because I think he's been spotty at best as far as, you know, our development of the minor league system. Um, but that would be very much a Jerry Reinsdorf move. And if we were going to look at something where it would possibly be, you know, middling out, it would be a Chris Getz hire. But I think there are so many baseball organizations out there that, you know, it, even if you wanted to hit the point where you don't want to spend money, you know, look at the Oakland A's organization with the way they do their roster. Yeah, obviously they have years where the Oakland, where the A's are awful, but they know how to win without spending a ton of money. You know what I mean? So I, I really think, uh, I really think there is, you know, a lot of value to that. I think there's a lot of organizations, depending on which way you want to go. If you want to, if you sell to an owner who wants to spend money, you know, there are GMs out there who know how to spend it pretty well. You know, I, there's a lot of different ways we can go with this. I really hope that we do our due diligence and this isn't something we rush into. I really hope we're not seeing guys like Jim Tomey, you know, or Chris Getz potentially getting this job as much as I love a guy like Jim Tomey. Like I, I don't want to slander him whatsoever, but it's just, we can't have anybody close to the organization. We need fresh eyes, something fierce. And um, the last part of Bob here, and it's probably the most intriguing to me, is that um, he said that Chicago White Sox manager Pedro Grafal is safe and at this moment is expected to return in 2024. This is where you're really going to have to see if Jerry Reinsdorf is willing to give up a little bit of the reins. Because, you know, I, I'm not someone who wants to sit here and say that Grafal should be one and done. I, am I a fan of Pedro Grafal at this point? Not really. Uh, you know, I, I don't think there's any way for me to get around that. I've I've been very critical of him, and I think I've been pretty warranted, and I think a lot of people are warranted. Um, some people defend him a little too hard on Twitter, but that's not for here or there. Um, but regardless, I was uh, I was somebody who was open to the idea of him coming back next season. With new leadership, they want to bring their guy in. There, there's no other way around it. Um, I'm sure Grafal is going to get a chance to interview for that job. He's, he's probably gonna have to re-interview for his job to be totally honest with you. And I think he will be the front runner to potentially keep his job. But if I'm getting hired as, you know, the, the single decision maker of an organization, sure. I'm going to, I'm going to play nice at first, but I'm going to really push hard to bring in a guy that I want. And I guarantee you any, per, any, any front office guy who is potentially working for this type of position in any, on any team. They have a manager in mind. It's kind of similar to how um, Ryan Poles had Matt Eberflus in mind when he was hired to the Chicago Bears. Like it's it's a very normal practice. Very rarely um, does a GM inherit a head coach, and either a it works at all or works past a year. You know what I mean? So I I really think you know while they want to give that vote of confidence to Grafal, I just I don't see it. Yeah, I don't think any good external candidate is going to come in and be unless they interview Grafal and like end up loving him they're not going to be okay with just saying 100% he's staying. Like, that's just not how they're going to operate, in my opinion. And you brought up the Bears. I think that's an interesting analogy because I also thought of the Bulls when the news first dropped, just in the sense that um, they, after fan protesting and whatnot, honestly, fairly similar situation, they fired uh, Gar Foreman and John Paxson after all those years, hired a new external front office with a good vision that everybody, including myself, liked. And they were saying all the right things in the interviews. Now, three years later, they've pretty much changed their tune and are all in on continuity and not making additions to the roster because apparently all the best rosters in the NBA never have big moves to them. Or I don't even know. I can't make sense of their arguments. 
and people don't like them anymore. And I'm not saying that the same thing's going to happen here. I'm just saying that the reason I'm not like 100% jumping for joy, like I'm more surprised than I am happy, if that makes sense, is because I'm wary of something similar happening. Like I want them to go external. I don't really know anything about Chris Getz other than his current position and like Project Birmingham and stuff. So like as much as I don't want someone internally, maybe he'd be fine, but I don't want that to happen. Like I, I agree with the fans for being against that. Um, but I want them to hire someone external and I want that person to not just say the right things, but do them. So that's why it's going to take, you know, several years for this to really, really play out. So it's going to be interesting. I think, you know, you, you said there are people from the Rays that might be interesting. I remember you bringing a couple of names on a prior podcast. I, I know, um, I'll say the name. I'll say the name Theo Epstein. Sorry to upset you, but that's obviously who we're talking about. I don't think that's happening. I don't think like James Click or you know other famous names that I've seen dropped out there. I have a hard time just seeing them come to the White Sox, like especially if Reinsdorf is still the owner and there are rumors of the team like moving. It seems like a lot of uncertainty to me if you're that big of a name to even consider coming here right now. But yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely going to depend on, you know, what type of situation any of these potential GMs are going to be looking for, um, you know, because a lot of a lot of these a lot of these guys, if they're in a good organization, they're not really in a rush. You know, they're they're still getting paid very well. Um, the more the organization that they're in, especially if they believe in it succeeds, the the more their stocks can end up going anyway. And a lot of these guys just end up waiting for an ideal situation. And I love the White Sox death, but like we're come on can we really sit here and say this is an ideal situation especially with the way the roster is constructed i mean i'll give kenny this uh you know towards or no not kenny i will give rick this uh towards the end there did try to rebuild the the farm system the best he could and you know there you know as we just talked about in our last episode there are some guys that we're pretty excited about and you know colson montgomery obviously is at the very tippy top of that list and maybe that's intriguing to a potential you know a gm that's kind of looking at this roster in a year or two um but it, it's really hard to sell this team with jerry reinsdorf as an owner and with a just unless unless we're clearing house completely it's really hard to jump into the situation or unless as a as a as a president you're hired and you're given the power to send everybody home you know that might sound cruel and i feel you know i'm sure there's plenty of people that we don't see or hear about on a day-to-day basis in the white Sox organization that are very good at their jobs and you know do nothing but a good job but sometimes change is needed and an organization has never needed change more than the white Sox currently need change you know we we've watched this team you know really since 05 just fumble the bag with some you know there were some very talented baseball teams in there and the fact that you know the blackout game is really like the highlight of that entire era is it's pretty sad because you know 2006 we should have made a run and we kind of we kind of tore apart a little bit of that core of the team without without really needing to and you know there's just been a lot of questionable decisions you know we we had some good players fall into our laps who still had some mileage on them and we just could never really make it all work at the same time whether that was managerial you know whether that was a manager and a president you know having beef and a president winning out um you know i'm not going to say names there but you can all connect the dots on that one um it's it's very difficult to say but we can't have that type of we can't have that type of culture continue you, you just, you need new people in the building. You know, I think, I think, you know, bringing up the bears, the reason I do it is just because of how much different it is just in a, such a short time by not having a guy like uh, Jerry Angelo in the building. Um, you know, that might be a small thing, but that is big, you know, that, that is, you know, 
understanding that there is a change of leadership, that uh, the goals are different and uh, the mindset's different. You know, the, the way that this team's going to be built, you know, who, who's safe moving forward. Um, it, it's, it's, it's definitely crazy. Um, Scott Merkin with the tweet from Kenny Williams via text. We have underachieved. This is what happens. Really? Really? That's, that's, man, that is some hard-hitting stuff from Kenny Williams. Uh, can never say he is never, can never say he's not a well-spoken guy, for sure. You know, I, I, I personally am a big fan of uh, him sitting in a golf cart and talking about the Manny Machado situation, looking like a sad puppy. Um, that will always be like a highlight. Um, him, you know, publicly arguing with his manager throughout the media, uh, publicly um, chastising you're one of the best players in franchise history and Frank Thomas on the way out the door. Genuinely, you know, Kenny Williams, you know, we, we have sat here and trashed him. He really does leave a, a, an incredible legacy on the city of Chicago. Um, you know, trashing Frank Thomas on the way out, um, you know, publicly arguing with Ozzie Gain in the media to the point where he ended up leaving uh, Mark Burley, not retiring as a white sock, uh, AJ Przinsky being moved probably two or three years a little too early. Um, genuinely Kenny, Kenny Williams, you know, Golf clap for you. Yeah, I mean, the whole, the quote, we have underachieved, this is what happens, that could apply to many years. That could have applied in 2013 or 2016 or last year or this year. I, I left out like, you know, seven or eight applicable years there. So, I mean, in a, in a normal, healthy organization, this would have happened for both Williams and Han a long, long time ago, which is why we're so surprised because we didn't think this was a normal, healthy organization. And frankly, it's still not, but this is at least step in the right direction like you've been saying and i think as we're you know formulating our initial reactions my main comment really one of the only other comments i have that i haven't said already is that what i want from the next front office the next person in charge since they're saying it's gonna be one one person basically is i want there to be a philosophical difference in in resource allocation and by that i mean that as much as I am not a fan of Jerry Reinsdorf and I don't think he puts his teams in the best position to succeed, you can't deny that the last couple of years, the team's payrolls have been quite high, like, you know, in the $180 million range, which was previously not even close to precedented for this organization. And while I would argue I would still like it to be higher, it was enough for the team to be competitive. Yet this front office, this time and time, or this past front office, had proven time and time again that their philosophy on allocation is they'd rather take say $25 million and distribute it among four or five, you know, veteran players who maybe aren't all-star level, maybe like a one to two war player at best. I'm talking like Wellington Castillo and John Jay, like random guys like that. They'd rather distribute that money to four or five players than one Bryce Harper or one Manny Machado. And what I would like to see from the next regime is a complete, completely abandon that strategy and go for the stars and it's okay if you have to deal with three or four holes in the roster that end up being filled by you know triple a quad a types because frankly i think that the benefit of a real star in free agency is worth it like a Corey seager for example is, is worth it rather than patchwork where the guys you end up signing for you know three four million dollars end up being worse or just as good as the guys in triple a anyway so who cares like that's that's really it. I mean, I, there are a lot of things I'd like to see. I'd like to see differences in player development in the minor leagues, and you know, just a complete di- change in philosophy in terms of scouting. But those are, you know, those are longer term things we can talk about. I just think for right now, that's the main thing that comes to my head is I want to see 
an end to this philosophy of sharing small, relatively small amounts of money among a ton of players and get more modern and go for the stars. Yeah, no doubt. And um, that's obviously something we haven't really gone about. You know, I, I agree with you 100%, Nick. Sometimes, sometimes as a winning baseball team, you just need a guy that you know what you're going to get out of him every single day. And when you are depending on veterans who their better days are behind them and you're kind of like hoping that they have this last last ditch, like, you know, genie in a bottle type season, you're going to get the results that the White Sox have gotten the last few years. Like Johnny Cueto panning out as a good signing was awesome, but that should have never been something that was crucial to us even having a potential of competing. It, it shouldn't that and Carlos Rodon the year before that I'm a massive Carlos Rodon guy love him he was he was middling out bad there for a minute and that was somebody that we should not have had to have carry us you know what I mean we we just have never taken the chance to do it because with that you know you look at a Bryce Harper out out in Philly you look at a Manny Machado out in Padres you know you you look at big players that get signed all around the league when a team can get a Bryce Harper, and this is, I think, why Harper hurts a little bit more. Guys who want to win will take less money to play with that guy. And you will still have a talented Major League roster because you will have guys pounding on your door. You are not going to have to worry about being at the table. They'll come sit at yours. And that's just simply something we never had. You know, and just... And I, I, I don't love Manny Machado. You know, I, I, his the stats back him up. There's absolutely no doubt about that. I, I have my own personal issues with Manny Machado. But the fact that we allowed such a, we were that close, and we allowed that much difference in money really be the difference in us getting Manny Machado, something that really could have put this franchise on the course to actually be competing every year. It said it all, and that's that's exactly that's exactly it, man. The roster construction needs to be better. But this is definitely stuff we're going to touch on a little bit more. Um, I don't want to go too nuts into it. Um, I thought this was really good to kind of vent. You know, I think me and you both needed it, even after getting a chance to vent about Jerry Reinsdorf yesterday. Um, it's just crazy that we just continue to get content out of this freaking baseball team <laughs> that is god awful. But it's it's never boring. <laughs> I guess that's the best way I could put it. Um, I'm sure I'm sure Laz is going to have plenty to say about it next week. Um, be sure to subscribe over, uh, you know, um, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, anywhere else you listen to the podcast, you know, try to be be sure to keep an eye on it. We're going to start going a lot deeper and stuff like this. Obviously we have a, we have a president search to kind of have here or whatever the official title is going to be for this single decision maker. You know, is it going to be Jerry cigar guy? We don't know what the, we don't know what the title is going to be, but once we get that title, we're going to start giving you guys some content in regards to who we think that person is going to be. Um, you know, be sure to follow. Be sure to follow us on Twitter um, at Sox on Thirty Fifth, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you keep up to date with your White Sox news. Um, this has been Duke Coughlin. As always, join with Nick uh, Nick Hour. Like I said, we're gonna have Laz back next week. Um, super super informal, but hey, it's nice to have something to feel a little excited about. Um, maybe maybe don't let it completely take over your mood because it's still the Chicago White Sox and Jerry Reinsdorf still does own the team, but. Uh, Enjoy this one because this is going to be a day that I feel like we're going to remember for a long time. And at the very least, it's one of the one of the first turning points that we've had in a long time. So that's all. That's all I got. Go Sox. Nick, close this out, buddy. Yeah, go Sox. And I'm going to be probably glued to Twitter in the following weeks, just waiting for updates on all this. <laughs>